Oh, what's up, everybody? I don't know if you know, but uh, this Thursday has been crazy with all the science that's come out. It seems like every Thursday when I'm putting out a podcast, as I'm putting it up, I do a little searching online and some crazy stuff. Usually it's about Pluto, but this week we just got dropped with some crazy news, okay? Uh, The first evidence of gravitational waves found, which help give actual evidence to theoretical science. Specifically, Einstein's uh, theory of relativity. Um, Again, uh, I really don't know (laughs) all the things that have happened with it, but it's a huge discovery. Because for the first time, someone's idea from essentially a hundred years ago uh, is finally coming to realization. We may have actually found evidence of it. So it's, it's real. So we'll get into that next week. But this week, we've got a ton of awesome, awesome stuff. Including a brand new update from Pluto, because we haven't done one in a little while, on the newest findings that they found about floating mountains of ice water in an ocean of nitrogen. We'll get into more of that later. We'll also have another 3D printing update and another amazing finding that that happened this week that may be overshadowed by what happened today with the finding of gravitational waves. But we just randomly figured out that there were hundreds of galaxies hiding behind our Milky Way. We had no clue. That's real life, people. That's just how shit goes. All of a sudden, we think we know everything, and boom! We don't know shit. So let's learn about some shit this week, and have a fucking great time. Thanks for coming to the podcast, and let's talk about what's happening today in space. Let's start off the show this week by talking about the floating mountains that are happening in Sputnik Planum, or the heart shape of Pluto, which we found out is most likely a lake of nitrogen, frozen nitrogen. Let's get into it. Okay, so, found this great National Geographic article that kind of goes over a whole bunch of findings by Pluto, but really it's what we're talking about this week, which is these anarchic floating mountains, all right? And I think the best way to, to, to kind of give it to you is, is just to, to quote this article, okay? So, Pluto's mountains may be more like icebergs in the ocean than mountains on Earth. 
made of water ice, these big blocks of material are probably floating on a sea of nitrogen ice. More revealed. In some regions, these mountains are as large as the Rockies, but are still buoyant enough to rise high above denser nitrogen and carbon monoxide ices. Even the largest mountains of Pluto could simply be floating, Moore said during his presentation. Moore being uh, Jeff Moore of NASA's Ames Research Center during a conference presentation uh, and just you know, revealing all this crazy stuff. I mean, I can't even think after talking about that. I mean, just, I mean, yeah, we've got icebergs on Earth. But, I mean, essentially, they're talking about entire mountain ranges that are just, like, floating. Just pure chemistry at its, at its best. You know, you've got this seemingly young planet with active tectonics of with nitrogen frozen nitrogen links and <laughs> these water structures that are at those temperatures from what i've heard act like rock might even be hard as rock you know cuz we're talking at highest minus 40 kelvin All right no 40 kelvin right Zero Kelvin is absolute zero. Yeah. 40 Kelvin. Right? It's freezing. It's past freezing. So, it's insane to to think about all this stuff. And, I, and, and, and when I first read the article, what first came to my mind was, like, just how important chemistry is. Right? Now, stay with me, believe, because believe me, chemistry was my worst subject in high school and college. So I can totally relate. But just the most simplest thing, the periodic table, right? It's set up beautifully. I mean, if, and it just, it just works. And because of the periodic table, like we can do, because the way it just happened to lay out, someone had figured out a way to lay it out that helps you work chemistry. Like, all the little tricks, you know, the position logic, you know, that anyone who has to know the periodic table for their science, there's all these tricks on how you look at it, and, you, and over time you start seeing the periodic table as like this super valuable thing. And without it, I, I don't even think we could do chemistry like we do it today. You know, could, could you imagine how hard chemistry would be if it didn't work like that? However complicated it is. I don't know if you could do chemistry like we do it today. So, shout out to chemistry, even though I had the hardest time with you. It's really interesting because, like, chemistry is, for my, for my purposes, visualizing the the infinitely small where space and space travel and, and space physics, all that stuff, is about the infinitely big. I, I don't really seem to have a problem with that. So, I don't know. I always just found it really hard to visualize chemistry because uh, we don't really know what's actually happening. 
Like we've got a great idea, but we don't. Just like we don't know most of the universe. But I'm I'm straying off topic. The floating mountains of ice water in an ocean of nitrogen. Frozen ocean, but nonetheless still an ocean. You know, Pluto has so much to offer. It's it's unbelievable and really crazy and it just like Pluto's just one object in this Kuiper belt. I mean potentially the in the Kuiper belt, these are the these are the ancient relics of our early solar system, if I understand it correctly. You know, and if, if the Pluto system, because it is a system, it's not just one planet, it's a binary system with Pluto and, and I'm just going to keep calling it Chiron, because it sounds a little bit cooler, but Sharon, you can call it. Uh, and then all its moons that are super weird. Super weird. And this article goes uh, really, really well into it. it. covers a lot of stuff, Pluto. Uh, but then we we may have even found... A uh, uh, planet nine, a planet we didn't even know about, and everyone was was crying about Pluto. That that got classified as a dwarf planet, and you guys don't even know there's a planet out there. You know, I better see people begging to go there to see that planet with all the crying everyone did about Pluto. Okay, so let's take that energy and get ourselves to Pluto. All right. Got it? Okay. It's actually a good segue to the next crazy thing that happened uh, this past week, or at least from when I found it. Let's talk about the hundreds of galaxies that were found just hiding behind our Milky Way galaxy. Right in the open. Right behind us. Let's talk about what the fuck that really means. All right, so what we're talking about here, uh, let's let's visualize it here for a second here because it'll help explain why we haven't been able to see these galaxies, right? So as you know, we, we are in the solar system with the sun and, and our eight plus dwarf planet, possibly nine planet system. So our solar system is within the Milky Way. And if you're looking at a map of the Milky Way, we are on one of the spiraling arms towards the, we'll just say if you're looking at a picture of it, like a map, we're like bottom right, we'll just say. Um, but in, you know, the greater universe, we are, as a galaxy, tilted. And we're on the front end, so... The rest of the Milky Way galaxy is blocking like a huge portion of the visible universe to us with the dust and the light that's coming through it. So it was the same problem that uh, the other telescopes that were looking for gravitational waves, uh, they were picking up all the dust, all the background noise of the Milky Way. So there's a huge region that was invisible to us. And what's really weird and special about us finding these specific hundreds of galaxies behind us is they have an, a, a very large amount of mass. And so 
in space, a lot of mass, uh, there's going to be things gravitationally affected by these large masses. So that huge amount of mass in that area helps explain a, a strange region called the Great Attractor, which just sounds cool. But uh, we'll, we'll do more on it next episode because I, I just got into it this week. But, um, you know, apparently, and this article goes into it from Smithsonian.com, decades ago, astronomers noted, and this is from the, the article, that our galaxy and its neighbors are headed towards a largely blank spot on the cosmic map at, well, we'll just say a, a brisk 14 million miles an hour. And so what's weird is that this rate that we're moving doesn't line up with the speed at which the universe is thought to be expanding. I know, I know. Bear with me. So, apparently, instead, the motion suggests that something we can't see is pulling us with the gravitational force of, you know, a million billion suns. So, there's this crazy area that was just a darkness to us. I had no idea what it was. Just knew, oh, crap, something's pulling us towards this. And we've never seen this. It's pulling us at 14 million miles an hour with the gravitational force of a million billion suns. And we didn't even know what was there. We finally were able to do that. Now, how the hell did we get through the Milky Way to actually see and know that these galaxies are even here. Sorry for that. My my cat Gushy was, I don't know if you could hear her, but she was just freaking out. Um, I guess she was just playing, but she's a very loud cat. She talks, meows a lot. So, uh, yeah, sorry about that. Kind of threw me off here. But let's get back to that. We like had no idea we we knew something was there and now we're finally seeing it and it's it's discoveries like this and it's that makes it that makes me laugh when when people are just like this is how it is we know everything everything that's ever been done has been done and i i i relish these kind of discoveries that finally show us what we're actually looking at, what we're actually dealing with. Pluto being one of them. Pluto is a screaming example of reality totally beating out our, our imaginations. You know, because that's basically what a lot, of, a lot of the stuff is. You know, getting sentimental about a planet you know nothing about. You know, it's like, you, it's like you don't even know who they are. How can you love them, right? How how can we know? How can we say we know the universe if we haven't seen any of it? Like if you actually look at the numbers of the of the universe of of our galaxy that we've actually looked at is minimal. So we don't have any idea what we're dealing with. I like that. 
because that 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 makes it more interesting. I love it. But yeah, so crazy finding, just craziness, absolutely crazy, and there's just going to be more coming out about this stuff. I mean, next week we're going to go head first into what happened <laughs> with the finding about gravitational waves because uh, it's crazy and I have no idea. Uh, so it's going to take me probably a week to figure that out. And uh, if you're if you want, no, no wanting, it's an assignment. Go look it up yourself and uh, get prepped for this because uh, it's it's a lot. And uh, I'm not really sure how we're going to do it. But if you have any questions, just send them my way, man. And, and we'll head them in the show. I'll give you a shout-out for sending in a question. You can get credit for homework. Oh, yeah. First homework assignment. Boom. Cool. All right. That does it for the mystery galaxies we just found. And uh, my rant on uh, people thinking they know everything. Uh, let's move on to our next subject. This week's 3D printing update. All right. Uh, this week was a lot of box work uh the 3d printing box i'm making so that i can print abs once again same plastic legos are made from but it's needs to be ventilated so it's not good for you so gotta make a box uh making it out of wood and glass keep it cheap and uh just gotta do labor that's all you know um so i've been building a box not as easy as it seems. Uh, making a box is definitely, <laughs> definitely, uh, I need some practice or some uh, guidance. And since I had neither, I just went for it. Uh, I originally wanted to do, you know, some really nice carpentry stuff because I've seen a few guys who are really good with uh, wood making and, you know, how they, they bury screws into the wood, you know, um, and really make the whole piece look like one piece of wood. You know, it, it just it looks beautiful. It looks great. Uh, and those were my pipe dreams. Uh, but I, I, uh, I've worked with metal, but I have not worked with wood uh, as much. I mean, I, I used to put flooring in. You know, I was a flooring contractor for like a decade. But, you know, uh, it's, not, it's not the same. Uh, so, you know, it's just two by fours. But... Uh, <laughs> getting everything straight is not easy uh especially making a a frame that has to hold you know a good amount of weight um i've been learning as i've been going so originally i was burying these uh you know deck screws into the two by four pre-drilling the hole so it doesn't crack the wood you know stuff like that and you know it's just it just hasn't been coming out straight because then you then you got to move everything around after you've already screwed it in and it's just it's like why am I going why am I doing this to myself so I sacked up and I finally bought just brackets 
uh, zinc plated, you know, super cheap. Like I think it's like two bucks a piece, you know, and just started using those. And then, you know, st- you know, I put the angle brackets in with shorter screws. And then once it was together, I could throw some longer screws in to put together the different pieces. So to make a <laughs> long story short, I got the top of the frame done. So now uh, I'm just finishing up the rest of it. Uh, had to pretty much, I just, so I designed it online, pretty much had to print out that design and like number it and place it because I was just losing complete track of the whole thing. So living and learning, um, and I may finally one day make a box. So, woohoo! Uh, anyways, the other uh, cool thing from this week is I'm I'm really happy with the progress I've made with honing in my printer. You know, I've I've been working and, and playing with settings since I started printing on this. Uh, I've been taking tons of statistics, and uh, I'm gonna open up the Excel spreadsheet I've been keeping, uh, <laughs> and I'll just uh, I'll share some stats with you guys. Um. Yeah, man, Excel is a person of science, like, best friend, because you can keep track of all your stats. Love stats. It can just do all the hard work for you. It's amazing. Okay, so we've got the spreadsheet open. So I've printed... How many total now? I've printed... 20 times. So I printed 20 times so far, which is awesome. Uh, I've only been printing in PLA, like I've said. Uh, PLA doesn't give off any toxic fumes, and they actually they use it in the in uh, in schools. So uh, just to kind of give you uh, an idea, you know, it's it's great to print with, uh, but to compare the two, like PLA and ABS. They're two different monsters. You know, they're going to print differently. So it's great that I've got 20 different parts to play off of, but, you know, ABS is going to be its own challenge in itself. Um, So basically, I started off with my prints taking, what's this? Let's see, what's the overall? Okay, so the average, sorry, one sec, one sec. A lot of numbers here. So the average print time is a little under two hours, so 116 minutes. And uh, sorry, no, that's the that's the estimated. So, all right, so let me explain this. So there's there's a program that you use to slice the model so that you can then build it up, right? So software, hardware is the printer. So it gives you like an estimated like how long this is going to take. But it's just that it's an estimation. So, you know, it could say it's going to take two hours and it might take three. So like what I'm trying to figure out is, all right, how close can I get to figuring out how much it, how long it's actually going to take? So the estimated, like, sorry, the average estimated print time, is almost two hours, but the actual print time on average is, let's see, three and a half hours. Uh, 
So basically, I know, I know. So basically what I'm looking at is an average of like 1.8, like 180% is how long it's going to take. So, but that's actually grown since I started printing because I've been playing with more settings. And so my quality has gone up, but my print time has gone up too. So uh, just kind of give you an idea of... Just some, you know, some 3D printing statistics. Uh, you know, I don't think you're ever going to hear stuff like this anywhere else. So I thought it'd be cool to share. Um, again, videos are coming. Like, I have almost 20 videos of full prints. And if you think three hours is a long time, I've had some prints that have taken almost six hours. So if you think that's long, you should see the file sizes on these fucking things. It's incredible. Uh, I've had to buy like multiple hard drives just to keep up with it. It's ridiculous, but it is really cool too, to kind of have it all documented. So they'll be coming out soon. Um, and, uh, one other thing I want to talk about is there was this really cool article. Um, and it was talking about the, it was talking about Colorado and, Basically, the, what the article was saying is, sorry, let me, I'm just going to pull it up here. Okay, so the article is titled, Harvard or Yale? Forget it. Focus on STEM education in Colorado and make as much as $80,000. This is from uh, 3dprint.com. Uh, it was written by Bridget Butler Millsaps. So, basically, the whole article is talking about like, why are, you know, you can have a very lucrative career and have a secure life, you know, actually have retirement and not be in tons of debt. And what they're doing in Colorado is trying to get kids to rethink going into manufacturing. And, and a lot of this is, you know, 3D printing, too, is having kids learn how to become a 3D printer and, and all the technologies go that go with it, and they'll have jobs. Like, the big thing Colorado was talking about... Excuse me, because you guys here? She's just yelling up a storm. I apologize. Gotta be better behaved. Come on now, we're doing a podcast. Anyways. What Colorado was saying was that, you know, they didn't have enough skilled workers, and they realized that at some point, they're going to have their, they won't have the choice. They're going to have to hire people from outside of the state and they're going to lose an entire industry from inside their own state. And the biggest problem is that the skills aren't there. There's no skilled workers. All the skilled workers in, in the, the workforce are older. They're, they're in their fifties, sixties, me and, and, and older. And they're ready to retire, and they're going to get out of the workforce eventually here. And once they leave, especially the baby boomers, once they leave, they won't have a workforce. Uh, one of the numbers they were actually uh, giving in here in this article was uh, there was a, a place that was looking for 100 skilled tool and die makers, Right? They could only hire one person 
from Colorado because they had the skills necessary. The other 99 came from out of state. You know, and this isn't a problem that Colorado is having. Plenty of states across the United States are having the same issue. You know, uh, specifically the experience I have with it is in Connecticut. And Connecticut saw this issue coming very quickly. And for those of you that don't know, Connecticut has a large manufacturing base. I mean, there are, there is industry in Connecticut. You know, tons of manufacturing in Connecticut that you, you wouldn't even know unless you somehow were in the know or, or had to do business down there. And they noticed this a while back, and I was lucky enough to work with a company and a group of people, not just one company, but a an alliance of companies that got together to help promote manufacturing. They did uh, fundraising. Uh, not fun. They would put on uh, competitions for these kids to get in and and do engineering. They did internships. They helped create programs in the local middle colleges and colleges, community colleges, to help get people into manufacturing. And it was a complete blessing to be a part of that. Like, I am so happy to be a part of that. I met some incredibly passionate people who are going for it. They're not sitting back and saying, oh, this is why this is happening to us, or it's their fault. They're actually going out there, and they're doing something about it. Getting involved politically, letting people know, letting the politicians know that, you know, they're ready to play. They want to help make the state some money and Britain and make everybody money. Give people jobs so that way they can they can supply for themselves and others. You know, I mean, I, I, it's beautiful. And, and the kids that I've met who are getting into this, they're 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 starting earlier than I did. So they're going to be better off than I was, you know, and more importantly, most of these kids don't have to spend four years worth of tuition. Now, that's not to say that they will be less educated or um, that they're less than everybody else. I wish I knew that there was an option like that when I was growing up, because I definitely would have got into it. I'm getting into it now. I found manufacturing at the latter end of my college. I really didn't know anything about it. I mean, yeah, again, I was a floor contractor, but that's construction. That's not the same thing. You know, manufacturing is a totally... Being able to manipulate physical matter to create something is... I love that. It's it's wizardry. It doesn't... It, we shouldn't be able to do that, but we do, and it's incredible. A 3D printer is one of the most magical things that there is you know it, it seems like it's it shouldn't even be real and the kids that are doing this now are learning so much and they're getting into it in such a time that you know these skilled workers that are leaving they want to pass down this information they don't want this information to go to waste you know a lot of them are stubborn i will tell you that a lot of them are stubborn 
And they're stubborn for good reason. They have to be uh, calculating. They have to be consistent, and they have to be fast on their their feet and thinking. You know, they need to solve problems. That's that's what they're there to do: solve problems, and get things done. But you know, sometimes that comes with, you know, being a little ornery, you know, and all the other stuff that comes with it. And some of them are just never going to change, but there's a lot of them out there who, once they know you're serious about it, then they'll teach you whatever they can. And all you got to do is get involved. All you got to do is do an internship there when you're in college. I I guarantee going into some kind of manufacturing, and even if you're just in there as a designer or um, just be a part of that culture, you know, manufacturing in America is coming back, and, and I think this young generation is super excited to play with giant toys that make things, right? I mean, that's really what it is, and that's what the baby boomer generation saw in it. So if, if you love tinkering with things and you, you love working with your hands, or you just want to try something really interesting... Try manufacturing. Seriously. It's, and, and go check it out online. It's not... A lot of people think it's something else. And that kind of goes to uh, one line I want to... One thought I want to take out of this article. And I'll, I'll say the quote. Uh, it seems incredible also to think that students are being somewhat misled. You know, the context here being that you know, the author was very surprised that these students were not being shown to this career path which has very little debt and you'll be able to work sooner and, and be a part of an industry sooner and people will be wanting to teach you all these opportunities are available and, and students aren't being shown the way and I would hypothesize that this is just due to plain ignorance that's right ignorance because apparently I can't say the word the first time you know and whether it's willful or by accident doesn't really matter. I mean, either way, it's because the image needs to change or at the very least be brought to the front. You know, so that way it can be seen. So there's a lot of young, talented, and excited, passionate uh, Americans that are starting to work in manufacturing and getting into it. And I think they're going to bring out the the fun and, and the... Uh, the cool side of manufacturing, the bring it back. It's happening. It's happening. I think it's a great career move if you ever think about it. I definitely would rethink it if I could do it over again. Uh, I at least would have gotten into it sooner. Then all those crazy ideas had uh, I had growing up, I would have realized I could actually make them happen. You know I me? Mean? Oh, my God. Hey, all of us. All, how many ideas you had growing up? It's like, if I could only make this, it would be sweet. Like, yeah, that, you can do that. In manufacturing, man, it's possible. So on that note, I want to say thank you for listening. Uh, it's another fun episode. Uh, sorry it's out so late. Just been crazy busy. It's uh, as soon as I can get it out. If you want to help support the podcast, uh, just go to the Amazon link that we have on here or on the homepage uh, at todayinspace.net forward slash home. And all you got to do is do your online shopping like normal. 
and go through our link and shop. And then Amazon sends us a little bit back to help support the show, keep the lights on, and keep the science rolling. So thank you very much for listening this week. We'll be back next week with some more crazy scientific findings in our that we've just found in the future. We're living it. Get out there. Go do something. Have a great weekend.